listening to Cause High Vis Cause Construction Podcast. I'm Samuel Woff. Today we're going to be talking about a case, an interesting recent case, where a senior employee of a construction company was found personally liable for a misleading and deceptive statutory declaration. I'm joined here today by Leighton Moon, Special Counsel. Leighton, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Sam. Um, so if I can start with the obvious place, uh, what was this case all about? Well, interestingly, uh, Sam, the statutory declarations are commonly used to accompany payment claims in industry, and head contractors will promise to principals that they have paid all the subcontractors, and they're a useful way for principals to make sure that uh, the money is continuing to flow down to the subcontractors and that there won't be any uh, suspensions or issues at, at the subcontractor level. Uh, unfortunately, it's quite common that the statutory declarations aren't that well investigated by the uh, head contractor, either uh, accidentally or by design, and so it's been quite difficult for principals to rely on them. But in this case, it was found that uh, one of the, the chief operating officer of Reed Construction uh, was personally liable for the statutory declaration, which was uh, very important because it meant the principal could recover from him personally, even though the head contractor, Reed had gone into administration. The reason that this case is significant um, from my reading of it is that there's, there's certainly a perception sometimes, unfortunately, that statutory declarations uh, are sort of seen more as an administrative rubber stamp rather than something that has substantive legal consequences. That's right, and the, um, the people giving the statutory declaration have been able to hide behind some of the caveats in the statutory declaration. And, for example, that if there is a dispute at subcontractor level, they can hand on heart say that they believe that there's nothing payable to that subcontractor, even though uh, a proper analysis of the law and fact at subcontractor level is that there is money owing to that subcontractor. But that wasn't enough to get across the threshold of perjury or similar sort of criminal-based uh, causes of action against the deponent of the statutory declaration. Uh, whereas this goes one step further, and, it, and interestingly, the chief operating officer in this case was found personally liable because he made a promise that he had made all reasonable inquiries of his subcontractor payments, and it was found that he had not made those inquiries. And that is quite a different exercise to try to show that he was dishonest and perjured himself by knowing that the subcontractors were owed money, but signing a statutory declaration to the opposite. So I think that's quite important for the industry because it means, whereas previously people could turn a blind eye or rely on uh, disputes at subcontractor level to still issue the statutory declaration, this case suggests that they're going to have to actually go to the uh, site managers and con contract managers at subcontractor level and confirm whether or not there are any amounts outstanding. And by doing that, they will either be armed with the knowledge that there are amounts outstanding, or if they don't do that, then they uh, leave themselves at risk of being uh, personally liable, and quite a significant personal liability in this case, $1.6 million. Um, yeah, well. So uh, they can be found personally liable and, and at risk of that. Thanks, Leighton. That's interesting. Um, so, and in this case, was the financial position of Reed, which I understand um, they're in some fairly significant financial troubles. Uh, was that relevant to the court's decision about what was and wasn't reasonable steps? 
Well, what's, uh, well, each misrepresentation is dealt with in its particular circumstances. And uh, so by making a representation that there is no uh, money owing to subcontractors and making a representation that you've made all reasonable inquiries, what will be a reasonable inquiry will be informed by the surrounding circumstances. And if it is known to the uh, person giving the statutory declaration that there are financial issues in other parts of the business, then that would inform what a reasonable inquiry would be for the specific part of the business of the subcontractors. The same issue arises with any representation about an opinion, because by giving a representation about an opinion, there is also an implied representation that you have reasonable grounds for that opinion. And so I would have thought in this instance, by analogy, the fact that there was financial stress within the company would mean that there was less chance that the deponent would be able to show that he had reasonable grounds for making that misrepresentation, even on the implied representation underlying uh, his opinion. So um, in this case, did the court find that there was any dishonesty or was it something less than that? Well, there was, there was no finding of dishonesty to the extent that the court found the chief operating officer knew that money was outstanding to the, to the subcontractors. But what he did, the court did find, was that he had not made the reasonable inquiries that he had promised he did. The reasons for him doing that, uh, when you read the judgment, is simply because he was a senior management person in the midst of a company that was facing severe financial stress and obviously his plate was quite full and had not done the sort of inquiries that perhaps he would have done if he had uh, more time in his working day than than then. So uh, importantly, no, he was still found personally liable even if he had an honest subjective belief that there was no money owing to the subcontractors because the court relied again on the fact that he hadn't made the reasonable inquiries that he promised both expressly and and also impliedly. So what do you foresee being the um, things that are going to change in the industry as a result of this decision? Well obviously uh, head contractors are going to be reluctant to sign up to contracts where they uh, or their officers and directors have to give personal statutory declarations and expose themselves to personal liability. Unfortunately for those head contractors there are certain parts of the industry where that's just simply not possible. Uh, Many contracts and standard form contracts with government agencies require that and for example in uh, New South Wales under the new security payment changes that came in recently the payment claims are required to be accompanied by statutory declarations. So I suspect in those instances the head contractors will simply try to write down their statutory declaration and caveat with ways that allow them to rely on the disputes at subcontractor level that we discussed and and other matters which would show that the statement is both true uh, and also is not misleading in all the circumstances. An example of that might be that they will, rather than say I've made all reasonable inquiries, they will list what inquiries they've done. I've looked at our cost records, I've spoken with the site manager and I uh, honestly believe that there's no amount owing. Uh, So I suspect that might be something that happens. The other thing that will be interesting to observe is what happens in the D&O insurance market uh, because in this case there was a related proceeding where the Chief Operating Officer was able to claim the $1.6 million from his D&O insurance and it'll be interesting to see whether D&O insurers now write 
exclusions in their insurance policies or seek to limit their exposure to these sorts of claims, which, given that there is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of statutory declarations submitted each each month with each payment claim, uh, you would expect that this sort of case would be pursued quite often in the future. Um, well, it's, uh, it has been an interesting case. Um, so just to recap, what would you say would be the three key takeaways? Well, firstly and most obviously... Uh, head contractors, employees and officers should be aware that they do face this personal liability. Uh, Secondly, people who are giving those statutory declarations should be making all reasonable inquiries because that is what they're promising to do, either both expressly or impliedly. And thirdly, if they are concerned about uh, payments due to subcontractors, they either need to note that concern in the statutory declaration or fess up that there is outstanding money to the subcontractor and explain the reason for that to the uh, principal in the statutory declaration. Uh, And lastly, I would suggest uh, people who do this commonly should make sure that they have an appropriately worded standard statutory declaration that they use to make sure that they're not inadvertently exposing their employees and officers to this sort of personal liability. Great. So there you have it. Uh, certainly a case that um, is going to raise a few eyebrows and um, keep people on their toes as to um, making statutory declarations in the future. Thank you, Leighton, for joining me. Uh, and thank you, listener, for tuning in. Um, we hope you'll join us again next time for Cause High Biz. Till then, goodbye. And of course, please note that this podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.